The Hoop Collective is presented by QuickBooks. New business? No problem. Success starts with Intuit QuickBooks. Learn more at quickbooks.com. Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA. We have a Los Angeles-based show today, which everybody always loves. Smile. Joining us from the Valley is Ramona Shelburne. Hi, Ramona. I like that. I've just become this 818. I'll, I'll, I like it. You I'll are from it. the Valley in every sense of the word. Like, you uh, know. <laughs> and from the West Side, not from the West Side, but he's coming to us from the West Side. But uh, Om Young Masuk, you're a West Sider now. Yeah, that's crazy to say because I'm really, a, you know, at heart, an East Coast guy. So, you know, it's, it's tough hearing that West Side, but I'll take it. Look just at all those shoes. The w. Just don't do your... <laughs> look That's at right. all those shoes. This this pod isn't isn't visual yet, but Ramona, look at all those shoes Olm's got behind. It's her. amazing. It's 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 really impressive, actually. This is just like uh, you know, like I said, I'm the male Imelda Marcos. I have probably like <laughs> I don't know two thousand shoes, so uh, I need to display them all against uh, like all four walls of this room. Yes. Well, my son would be actually much more impressed with your Bubba Fett helmet that you have behind you. Yes. Uh, Although I was very disappointed with the show, but you know, we won't talk about that. We talk about the NBA. We'll talk about that <laughs> offline. Um, so uh, I, I really would like to not talk about the Lakers so much, but Ramona, I can't stop I know. because they just draw the eye so much. And they are Saturday night. The, LeBron plays one of the best games he's played since the 2020 championship scores 56 third highest scoring game of his career. Um, you know, he scored 56 in maybe his third or fourth season with the Cavs. Um, okay. And then he never, he didn't get back there again for like seven or eight years, like for a long time, 56 was his career high for like seriously years on end. So for him to, him to put up his third high. We're, we're, we're talking about a guy who's going to be the all-time leading scorer. Um, for him to put up that kind of performance, like that's a classic LeBron game, all told. Much all less told. to do with what's going on right now, and it just, in a weird way, sort of fits in with this Lakers season because the whole thing is just so all over the place. That yes, of course they can lose to the Pelicans by twenty-five or whatever it was in the same week at home that they can beat the Warriors <laughs> and LeBron put up 56. Like, by the way, LeBron's played how many games against the Warriors in the last eight years? Like 70. I don't know. Like dozens yeah. and dozens of games. Some of the greatest games ever played against the Warriors. He he's if he got, some of the greatest games of his career have been against the Warriors in the last like six or seven years. And yet even on, even with all of that framed, he has this incredible performance and let's like opens up the door to let the Lakers somehow believe again tonight, they play San Antonio in San Antonio. When this pod comes out, we won't have known what happened. And I have no idea, Ramona. I'm almost afraid to wonder what happened in that game. You exist in the world of the Lakers. Um, <laughs> have you ever seen a, a year like this that we're experiencing? No, never like this. No. I mean, the only thing that comes, there's two, there's two years that have come into my head as, as reference points. One of them is the year where Kobe tore his Achilles at the end of the year, um, where it was uh, 2013, I believe that is. 
Um, and uh, it was a Steve Nash, he, uh, Dwight, Steve Howard Nash Dwight Howard. This is going to be fun year. I'm sorry, Lee Jenkins. We have to point out the uh, SI cover that, that ushered in this beginning of the year. Um, and there was something about that year that was in, it, that was equally frustrating that nothing was quite working. There was like one player on the team who was constantly injured. That would have been Steve Nash. There was one of the stars who was just not fitting in and couldn't fit in. And there was a, always a frustration level with him. That was Dwight Howard. Um, and so you really just had Kobe and Powell, um, which is pretty damn good. Okay. Kobe and Powell. Um, but Kobe just was willing them to victories, putting up all time, all time performances night after night to the point where you said, you know, like, God, if they could all just get healthy, <laughs> if they could all just get healthy at the end. And, and, and if Dwight would just do things that Dwight needs to do, like, you know, I remember, you know, behind like, everything Dwight they wanted him to do was we don't need you to score. We have three all-time scorers out there that like, you don't even need to be, you can be 15, 20 points a game and that's fine. Just play defense and rebound and be a hall of fame at that hall of famer at that. And, you know, just like, I remember Kobe said to me one time, just, just look at how Bill Russell played. That could be Dwight. That's that's Dwight. That's who you need to watch. Okay. And I was right. like, you're right. It's a really good point. I mean, and Dwight, just play like Bill year. Russell. Damn it. Just play like Bill Russell. <laughs> but I mean, that, that's what Bill, I mean, he was incredible defense and rebound. I mean, that's what right. Dwight is great at. And that's yeah. when they won a championship. That's what Dwight did. Um, it's, uh, you know, it, it's, it's interesting. Um, th- this is the year that reminds me of, because remember my, one of my all time favorite quotes, Brian, Gary Beatty, who was the longtime trainer of the Lakers, uh, said to me at the end of that year, so that, you know, the, the end of the year ends with a whimper. It's very sad. It's like Kobe tears the Achilles against the Warriors. Um, they go to San Antonio and get swept in the first round. You know, they, they try to muscle something, but the, there really is nothing there. And, um, and uh, Gary Beatty says to me at the, end of the, at the end of the year, he goes, you know, when you're banging against the, you're, you're, when you're banging your head against a wall for a long time, it feels good when you finally stop. you could bring that quote back to this season i'm afraid to say uh because that's what this season feels like you know so i thought it was interesting magic um before the game uh comes on to the pregame show uh the count on countdown uh they did it it was on the floor they did it from the floor and he and the reason this is interesting on several levels one he's magic and people care a lot about what magic thinks but a couple of weeks ago i guess it was maybe a month ago genie bus was quoted in the athletic they were doing their all-time countdown yeah you know all-time players and they got to the magic story and genie was quoted talking about magic that she still consults him she said and this is yeah. like this is genie saying on the record yep that she called magic you know in december of this year and asked him about what she should do with the, what his advice was to do with this roster. And I am fairly certain that his advice was, you know, stay the course, stay the course. And by the way, the Lakers stayed the course. So not only is Jeannie consulting him still, she's apparently listening to him. I mean, I'm not saying that he was the only one who felt that way, but this is her saying this on the record uh, a couple of weeks ago. Yep. And here's, so here's magic. Who's still d- just having discussions about the Lakers with the owner now coming on television and saying, Ramona, that if the Lakers don't make the playoffs, and I mean, I would even argue if they eat, yeah. it doesn't really change it, whether you finish 
ninth yep. and then you eke in versus whether you finish sixth. It doesn't really make a difference. Yep. Um, they said this will be the worst trade in Lakers history if they don't make the playoffs. I think, you know, I, I mean, and he, I, I mean, like <laughs> Stephen A just kind of looked at him like, whoa. But you start to think about Steve it. Steve Nash trade wasn't very good either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll just, you know, put that one up there in terms of recent history. Um, I, but then after the game, he says how proud he is of Russ. And, and I think it's also the other thing Magic said, which I think he was right on the money about, which is where he criticized Westbrook and he said, listen, it's, it's time for you to show some accountability. Stop battling with the press and start playing better. And, and it, was, it was interesting to hear Magic talk like that. And, and then after the game, praising LeBron, praising Russ. And it, it's hard to reconcile him being so critical at the beginning of a game and then after one game praising him. But in, unless you actually know Magic, which is Magic comes from the Pat Riley school of like, I'm going to say it to your face. I am a hard ass. I'm going to say what needs to be said. And when you do bad, you're going to hear about it. And when you do good, you're going to hear it too. And it's, it's like, there's no, there's no kissing somebody's butt just to make them feel good. There's no trying to smooth things out. And no, he is just direct. What you see is what you get. What he feels is what you hear. I mean, that is, it's very, you know, you, you, I'm pretty sure he writes his own tweets, right? Because you can tell the voice. Um, And I, I think there's a, um, you know, a, hey, I think what well, the other part of the quote was, hey, hey, Russ, you, you're the one who called LeBron and AD and said this can work. And Kobe believed in you and said you were the guy. You need to prove it now. And it was like, wow, that is a I direct mean, quote. And it, yes, I mean, that was a lot he said there because Ohm, he says, one, he doesn't blame it. He doesn't blame the trade on LeBron like a lot of people no. have. He blames it. He says, Russ, you asked for this. And yep. then... When you call the Kobe, it is like, like that is like waving a red flag in front of anybody. Because when you invoke Kobe's name, especially when you're talking about like a current Laker who Kobe was a peer of, you know, like, you know, that like he put it all on Russ, all of it on Russ there. He didn't put it on LeBron. He didn't put it on anybody else. I mean that was uh, that created a visceral reaction. Uh, what he said, uh, well, which and, is and you know what? Reason- Only somebody like Magic can can invoke Kobe's name. Do you know what I mean? Like you can't like that. You, you cannot speak about Kobe unless you are in the pantheon of Laker greats. Unless you are on that Mount Rushmore, and so and Magic certainly is. And I and I, I mean honestly, in Laker history, and there's 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 a lot of people on that Mount Rushmore, but there's really Kobe and Magic. And and Kareem should be up there too, but in terms of presence and persona, um, it's Kobe and Magic. So so for him to say that, I mean, there you can't say a word, you cannot argue, which is, um, and it also made me think, Brian, about other criticisms Magic has had of Russ. And if you saw his documentary, uh, one of the things that Magic said about Russell early in his career, remember during the finals when the Oklahoma City plays Miami, and after one of those games, Magic goes on countdown. And he says that was one of the worst performances by a point guard that I've ever seen. He said he was out of control. He, he needs to lead his team better. And it was like, this was a major focal point of Russell's documentary. And this is, you know, done in consultation with Russ. So obviously, you know, that's true. And you know, that's something he felt very deeply um, of just him answering Magic's criticism of not being a true point guard, of not being a, somebody who can set up people with assists and set up, you know, and, 
and organizing offense and just being out of control. And like that became something he had to prove that he was not. And that's why a lot of, you know, he put such an emphasis on getting assists and those numbers and, and proving himself as a point guard in that offensive role. And I like, so, you know, magic's words have weight with him and it's now the second time magic has had a very strong commentary on this Lakers team. The first time LeBron didn't even speak to the media afterwards. Remember? Um, and the, and I think and Russ Dibby said, we don't listen to that, but yeah, now well, he did it. And, and, you know, it's not like anybody heard him pregame. They were on the court and then they went and played, but right. I'm sure those words got back to them afterwards. Yeah. Um, you know, and it, it, this, this season isn't just about Russ, the failures that the Lakers have had are, are across the board, but you know, Russ, Russ has never responded well. You, you talked about him when he was at, you know, early in his career, like he has never responded well to being attacked like this. And, no. um, this fact, somebody who well, knows maybe him, he has though, right. Maybe he know. has somebody who knows he gets defiant, so, you know, but he, yeah. but he played really good after that. I get, you know, somebody who knows him really well, uh, before the season, I was in the preseason. I ran into him. I've mentioned this before on the pod and he, yeah. he told me that he will not play the role of Bosch and love. He will not sit there and take the blame. He will not mm-hmm. handle that well. And this guy called it square on the nose. Uh, and that's what's happened. Um, but I will say this, what's going on right now. Like LeBron is, uh, he's kind he's the game, the way the game is the, the way what's happening right now is that the Lakers are not going to win the championship this year. And so LeBron is kind of, he's sort of walling off what's happening and he's just saying, I'm going to just score points. And if nothing else happens, I'm going to pass Carl Malone. Ohm, he's about maybe eight to 10 games, depending. I mean, if he keeps scoring 50, it'll be shorter. Yeah. Uh, He'll pass Carl Malone, barring injury. He'll pass Carl Malone, maybe by the end of the month, if not early April. And then he'll set up uh, the chase for Kareem, uh, next year. And like now this becomes a historic chase for LeBron. If he can't go for the championship, he'll go for the scoring. He won't be overt about it. He won't, um, uh, you know, make it seem like it, but when you watch the way he plays, he's going for points. So, you know, I don't know if the Lakers fan, like, I feel like if he was with a different team that he'd been with for, for a long time, people would find it more honorable that he's just getting for points home. But um, it's now pretty much what the Lakers have left is to watch LeBron just try to score a lot. Three times a week, the right time with Bomani Jones podcast brings you the latest from technology, music, and the very best analysis of the games. Plus, they've got a community of friends, including Dominique Foxworth for Foxworth Fridays. That's the right time with Bomani Jones, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Listen, wherever you get your podcasts. And Monday and Wednesday are also available on ESPN's YouTube channel. For the ones who get it done, Ranger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click ranger.com or just stop by.
Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Supercuts. Let's face it, life is busy. Between work and family and more work, our to-do lists have a way of getting longer instead of shorter. Luckily, Supercuts is here to make at least the haircut part of your life easy. Supercuts is perfect for people who need a haircut, but don't have a ton of time for a haircut. No more scouring the web for salons with availability. You can use the Supercuts app to find the location nearest to you and check in or just walk in. Another bonus, the salon shows estimated wait times, so you know exactly what you're in for. That way, you're only in salon when you need to be. Don't expect to stay a while. As for the cut itself, it's always super solid. Thanks to Supercut's highly trained stylists. Get in, get out, and get to that thing that you needed a haircut for. Whether you've got a big presentation coming up or a wedding, or you just need some upkeep, Supercut's makes getting a haircut effortless. It's not just any haircut. It's Supercuts. Check in now on the Supercuts app or on supercuts.com. I, I mean, to me, look, we talk about Russ, and it certainly feels like all of Laker Nation, whether it's magic, whether it's the fans, people have, are, have already found their culprit when the season goes down in flames, and that's Russ. Uh, you know, like earlier in the season when LeBron was scoring – a lot of points and he was in that stretch where it seemed like he was getting 30 a night. I remember thinking to myself, you know, I look at LeBron's assist numbers and I was thinking, it looks like LeBron has just decided, <laughs> you know, okay, I'm going to score. I'm going to let Russ get his triple doubles. You know, I'm going to let Russ do the playmaking. And then nobody can point the finger at me that this went down in flames, that this didn't work. I did everything I can. I'm look, I'm even just playing the role of scorer. And then of course that all season that went along and, and now it feels like he has to score and have these big moments like the other night, a historic game almost uh, for the Lakers just to win. Look, they got 10 of their next 13 on the road. What happened on Saturday night? Obviously, LeBron sees the Warriors. He sees Steph. He has this classic game, but that's not going to happen every night. Like tonight, they're on the road in San Antonio. It would surprise no one if they lost that game in San Antonio. They've got, look, we talk about the Russ trade. Is this going to be probably one of the worst trades in Laker history? They face Kyle Kuzma and the other guys. They shipped out twice yep. in the next like eight games. You know Kuz is going to be hyped for that game. You know KCP is. You know those guys are going to play and try to prove the Lakers wrong. Uh, and wouldn't it be great? You know, wouldn't it be something else to see them and then another former Laker, Brandon Ingram, keep the Lakers from making the ninth, the ninth or tenth? Like you know, I think New. I don't think Portland's done. I think Portland's. You know, they are looking. They're going sinking straight down. They're resting guys now. Things like that. New Orleans, I think, could catch the Lakers. It's going to be fascinating to watch those two teams. But, you know, just watching this now, it, it looks like you're right. LeBron, I don't know. I mean, you know, I th- LeBron obviously sees that he, they, they can't win a championship this year. So maybe his championship right now would be to catch Kareem. Obviously, it's going to happen well, next season. You know, he's he's also on the edge of the scoring title, which he's, he's yep. j- jousting with Embiid. And chances are, you know, Embiid's scoring is going to go down a little bit because he's playing with Harden. And now Max, he's scoring a lot of points. By the way, LeBron did win a scoring title. Yeah. Um, way back and, in 2008. And, and look, and he reminded everyone in the shop that he gets what yeah. I think he said he's pissed off that people don't talk about him as a scorer. So, this is LeBron doing his little LeBron maneuvering. So yeah, for years LeBron used to say, "I'm not a scorer," or I, you know, I, you know, or, you know, he's like, "I'm a, I'm a basketball player. I make the right play." Uh, he would be irritated if you just talked about his scoring, and that's why he took so much pride 
two years ago when he led the league in assists. Um, which, by the way, Olm, to your point, he's averaging uh, 6.2 assists this year. It's the fewest since his second year in Miami. He averaged 6.2 and four less than when he won the uh, in the, the um, assist title uh, two years ago. Um, by the way, there's only been four guys who've ever won uh, an assist title and a scoring title in their career. Um, Jerry West, Will Chamberlain, Russell Westbrook, uh, oh, Harden and LeBron. So I think there's been five. Um, here we go with my trivia again. I'll probably get proved I'm probably miss somebody there, but, um, uh, but it is, it is, uh, you know, it is interesting that he could potentially go 10 or uh, 14 years in between scoring titles. Um, but he is right there. He, he's averaging 29.4 points. That's the, um, the third highest of his career, actually fourth highest of his career and right about where he won the scoring title in 2008. Um, and so, like, I do think that, you know, he's now transitioning saying, hey, by the way, I'm a great scorer uh, because it's something that he can achieve. He can achieve this year a scoring mark. He can pass Malone and then next year get the all-time scoring mark, a record that a lot of people question would ever fall. I can remember when I would start to do the math, like about five or six years ago, can LeBron get there? And it was like, well, he's got to average like 25 points a game when he's like 38, 37, 38. And people were like, I don't know if he can average that many. Yeah, he, you're right, he's not. He's averaging 25, 20 or 27, 28, 29. So um, I think he can pivot to this, you know, for and it doesn't do the Lakers any good other than it gives the fans, I guess, something to engage in. But Ramona, I can feel him pivoting to that and it even you know it even kind of fits in like the lakers really need them to score right now so we can do both well i i would like to say a word for lebron (laughs) there's a sort of the way if we just present him as a guy who is just doing he's just going like in a mercenary type quality of like i'm just gonna go get my scoring record and that's what you're gonna pay whatever money you're paying for your season seats at crypto for the next year or two to see. Um, I guess you can pay in Bitcoin. Maybe that's worth more or less on those seats. I don't know. Paying on the value of that. Um, but I, I think he's, I, I got to give him credit, man. Like from where we were two, three weeks ago, throwing a very public uh, tantrum uh, about, you know, be, just being upset. They didn't, you know, make trades. They didn't do anything. They didn't sort of bend to his frustrations um, you know, flirting with everyone in Cleveland when they went back there, you know, it, it was, it did not play well here in Los Angeles. I'll tell you that I was on radio and the, the callers who would call in the people around town, it was just, it was sort of, there was a, a gratefulness to it. There was a, uh, well, if you don't want to be here, fine, get out. You know, you're not a real Laker. I mean, there was a, there was a very uh, negative reaction to his behavior two, three weeks ago. And you know, I, I kept saying on the air, I was like, look, people get to be frustrated. People get to be to be upset and they get to vent, especially when they're showing up and they're they're working their way back through these injuries that he's had the last few years. And he's he's, you know, still playing at this level. He's bringing his side of the he's bringing his side of he's a, he's upholding his end of the bargain. Right. In terms of playing. Um, you get to be upset. You get to be frustrated. That's fine. It doesn't mean you have to leave or that you want to turn your back on people. I mean, I, I probably would keep it out of the public eye. I would probably just vent to my friends and not through Twitter um, or, <laughs> or in my hometown of Cleveland. But, uh, but he, it's allowed. You're, that's fine. 
and from him for him to go from where he was two three weeks ago to just absolutely bawling out on Saturday night against the Warriors uh, in a game where both teams really needed to win one. Both teams have really been scuffling. And we call them the Warriors, but they certainly don't look like the Warriors right now. They look like the Warriors from last year or the year before that right now. It's just whatever Steph can do and everybody else is just there. Um, it's, uh, I think that's pretty impressive. I mean, to, to put all that behind you, to basically get told that you're wrong, to basically get told, hey, if you don't want to be here, see ya. I mean, that's, but that's what I'm saying. That's, that's what's going to be. I know, but yeah. that's what's going to be left for the Laker fans is to watch LeBron just score a lot of points. Yeah, but he's 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 playing. He he he. I'm not saying they're team building at this point. There's no team building. Well, well like you, there's like 2013, no 2013. Kobe. He just was like, look, I'm this team's not any good, but I am going to do my best. I'm yeah. going to score a lot of points, and he became legendary for that. It was it was so strange that he played himself into an Achilles tear and became legendary. Uh, it's just it's one of the yeah. fascinating things about Kobe is that people regarded what was probably a really bad decision playing all of those minutes into an Achilles tear as a badge of honor and really, really really wrecking the back, you know, section of his career. Um, Yeah, it really did. And and I, and, but don't you think that's what's going to happen with like, if LeBron keeps posting these like 46 point, 47 point, you know, 43 point, And like, let's say they eke out a few wins or whatever Uh and they, and they do, and they bow out in the, second round of the play-in or they whatever it will be it can be remembered as a and like and lebron will get his scoring marks and everything like that like that's yeah. what you're going for now and so i'm saying he's pivoted to that that's now well, i mean the path except look, i think brian we still you still have that hope that like if ad comes back and russ plays the right way you still have that it's still well, there you know, you know it's funny ramona i was talking to someone who's who's very familiar with the lakers about a week ago Mm-hmm. when the Lakers were stuck in this, you know, four game yeah. losing streak and looked awful. And this person told me the Lakers need to pivot their mentality from thinking about what they should be and what they thought they could be to, we are a play in team and we have to make that. And he's, yeah. this person said, that's, that's what the Lakers need to do. They are too, they are too focused on what they should have been. And they now need to focus on the reality of what they are. And I and, think that's what LeBron's doing. LeBron's making the best of the situation. Yeah. And I, look, yeah. I, the, the other night to me, like, look, LeBron, you're right, Ramona. LeBron's in the midst of a, a great season for him scoring wise um, at this stage of his career. And certainly I think it's, it, it feels, you know, you, when you look at LeBron now, you don't want to waste his years, but certain, the Lakers are right. The Lakers are wasting yeah. these performances and they actually need them to win just to make the play-in game. The other mm-hmm. night, when the Clippers put an ass whooping on them, and there was no other way to describe it, the Clippers went into that game at halftime down three, and the Clippers knew they were going to route the Lakers. Okay, I actually talked to a few people Why that, that actually know? said they 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 just knew. I think they knew how the Lakers were playing. They knew that if they played the right way, they were going to win big. Um, and so. They start turning around. Reggie Jackson has this unbelievable game. At one point, not only did he figuratively dance his way through the Laker defense, he literally danced his way through the Laker defense. Yeah. At one point, the, 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 the arena is playing in-game music, and he's bringing the ball up court. He just crosses half court, and his body is gyrating to that in-game music as he's surveying the defense, okay? That's how hot Reggie Jackson had it. And he was talking trash at one point to LeBron, and I looked at LeBron, and LeBron – 
I, I could see it. I was just like, LeBron was so frustrated. LeBron, it was almost like LeBron's like, I can't believe this is happening because I think he wanted to see basically the Lakers take a stand. You yeah. know what I mean? Against the Clippers, against their in-hall rivals. Yeah. And they were getting whipped like it was nobody's business. And so now I think, you, you know, you look at this and I remember thinking to myself, I'm like, the Lakers are wasting these great games by LeBron James. And it, he can't keep putting up what happened Saturday night against Golden State, even though that's actually what they need. I mean, you can you can point to figure out all the injuries, Anthony Davis, all that stuff. LeBron basically is doing everything he can, but I think he also realizes what's in front of him, uh, that the things to chase right now, because he's not going to get that championship he needs. So in order to add to the legacy, he's doing what he's what he's doing best right now, which is yeah, catching I mean, LeBron's and legacy. Catching LeBron's legacy, his, his case is ultimately going to be the longevity of greatness more than the championships because if you start counting championships you're going to come up short if you start you know looking at you know the record in the finals you're going to get poked at but yeah he's going to be able to say look i did this for 20 some years and nobody scored more points and look how many assists i had look how look i took three different teams to titles and look how i made 10 or whatever finals like that's ultimately going to be his case and people will people will add all of that and say that's what makes him you know, the greatest right. of all time. And so, so that's what he's doing right now. He is just playing the role that is there. So, but I do want to talk about the Clippers. Um, the Clippers had a terrible loss on Sunday right after we decided to talk about him today. Ohm, to the yeah, Knicks. I know. Um, the Knicks needed that win so bad. Seven, oh. seven losses in a row. The Clippers, I feel like, you know, they've just sort of been out in the waiting room all year long. Like, oh, the Clippers are in the waiting room. They're waiting for Paul. They're waiting for Kawhi. Yeah. They have they have a terrible offense. Um, they're 26 in the league in scoring. And let me tell you who else is down there. 30th, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma City Thunder. Bad team. 29th, Magic. Awful team. 28th, Pistons. Horrible. 27th, Rockets. Just had a 12-game losing streak that they just broke. They beat, they upset Memphis on Sunday night. Um, 25th, Knicks, one of the big disappointments of the season. They just had a seven-game losing streak. 26th in that pack, Clippers. And yet here they are in really incredible position, despite the injuries, despite uh, everything. They're the number seven defensive team. And as we sit here to start the week, they're in eighth place. They're, you know, they're a solid play-in team. I don't think they'll be able to get up to the top six, but making the play in for them is a huge accomplishment. And so, Om, before I even talk about Kawhi and, and Paul George, how how are they doing it? I, well, first, I think you have to credit Ty Lue. Ty Lue has done an unbelievable job this season. To me, he's up there with the other coaches as far as the best performance this season by coach. Um, what he's done with no Kawhi Leonard, no Paul George since December 22nd. Norman Powell out. They, 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 they acquire him in a trade. He's only been around for like three games before he fractures a bone in his, in his foot. So um, he's done an incredible job. I think he's, you know, kind of shown people coming out of like maybe LeBron's shadow a little bit because I think not a lot of people gave Ty Lue a lot of credit. Yes, he won a championship, and a lot of people were thinking, oh, well, that's a LeBron championship. But Ty Lue is one of the best coaches in the league. I mean, they didn't even have their defensive assistant, uh, Dan Cray. He was out for a little bit with an injury and credit, you know, Brendan O'Connor, one of their assistants out there that really kind of took over the defense and their defense really took off or stretch. 
um, Reggie Jackson, you know, they, he's not even playing his veterans every night. Uh, you know, like last night, his veterans struggle. And he, a lot yeah. of times he's going with the young guys like Terrence Mann, Luke Kennard, these type of guys. I mean, these, you know, this season, this is amazing, right? Like two years ago in the bubble, the Clippers wilted at the first sign of adversity when they blew that 3-1 lead to the Denver Nuggets. And they had this reputation of, of you know, being the Clippers. The Clippers were going to clip. Now this team, this season is a team that, well, last night they got blown out. But prior to that, it was like this team, they fall behind by 24, 25, 35 at the Wizards. They come back and they win. So they've had this sort of resilience to them. They have this thing where they're always going to be in games. Last night they cut a 29-point lead to actually, I think, 12 entering the fourth quarter, but then ran out of gas. And you're right, the Knicks absolutely needed that win. Uh, But the Clippers – have played incredible ball. I mean, up until last night, they had won five straight games. Um, and their schedule was weren't, absolutely like, brutal. Weren't like three of them against the Lakers? Yes. I was about to say, their schedule prior to the All-Star break was one of the most brutal ever. I think they had played something like 63 games or 65 games, and it was like tied for the most ever uh, with two other teams played prior to the All-Star break. So their schedule down the stretch now has actually been very beneficial for them, and they but, took advantage. They, they played Houston and Lakers. Through- they had five game winning streak and they had three of the wins against the Lakers. They kept playing and, the and, Lakers and the others were against the Rockets. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> they, yeah. They, just like, they kept playing the Lakers. I'm like, how many times did the Lakers and the Clippers play? Yeah. My yeah. Guys. And look, I, I think they, it was, you know, they had a letdown last night because they got so up for the Lakers. They swept the Lakers in the season series, blew them out. And then of course had a couple days off and then ended up playing the Knicks and the Knicks were incredibly desperate, but Ty Lue has been incredible. He's put, he pushed, he's pushed all the right buttons and uh, you're right. Looks, I think for now, right now, the Clippers, the hope is, and we kind of saw a good sign the other day, uh, I think it was Saturday morning before practice, Paul George was out there. We haven't seen Paul George many times on the court this season when the media is allowed into practice or shooting around. And the times we have, we saw Paul George shooting left-handed from about eight feet out. Uh, this morning on Saturday morning, Paul George was shooting right-handed. So that was a huge sign because now you're starting to get a little more hope. They just kept giving Paul George every time there was an update. It was like, oh, he needs more time. We're going to give him more time to rest. We're going to give him more time to rest. It was like they were kind of like stalling for more time. Now Paul George looks like he's, you know, he's starting to shoot right handed. So maybe in a couple, maybe in a couple of weeks we get another update and maybe Paul George is progressing to perhaps getting close to practicing. Norm Powell's out there in a, in a boot on his foot. He's shooting. They're talking about you know, maybe they can get him at, by the end of the season. And then the Kawhi Leonard factor is that Kawhi has been out there working his tail off by all indications, but we are not even close to a year from when he tore his ACL against the Utah can't. Jazz in game four. I mean, but- all the information on Kawhi is shut down. I'm not going to sit here and tell you I have any insight. There's like, oh, he's ahead of schedule. He's ahead of schedule. Yeah. Uh, Ramona, I can't see him playing this year. Can you? Cutting the price of your wireless bill feels good. Really good. Actually, it feels great. You should try it. So cut your bill by switching to Straight Talk Wireless. Now offering our $45 Silver Unlimited plan. That's unlimited high-speed data and 5 gigabytes of hotspot for just $45 a month. Get nationwide 5G on America's largest, most dependable networks. So why pay a whole lot for your data? when you can get unlimited for a whole lot less. The $45 Silver Unlimited plan from Straight Talk. Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. 
With the safe return of live events, you can actually be there to catch all the action in person with Vivid Seats. That's right. Every alley-oop slam, every one-timer, every sideline grab can be experienced live. And with Vivid Seats rewards, you can earn rewards like free tickets. All you have to do is collect stamps, redeem, and repeat. It's that easy. From upper level to courtside, Vivid Seats has you covered for all the events that matter to you. So grab your tickets today and cheer on your favorite team from the stands. Visit vividseats.com to download the app today. Vivid Seats. Life happens live. Yes and no, right? I mean, I like you're right. It's all shut down because a couple, I don't know, a month or two ago, I, I started hearing more optimism that he would come back. But then that seems to have turned around. And what, what? Who knows why? Right? Is it the team doing that? Is it him? Is it his his camp, Uncle Dennis, whatever? It's like it's um. The truth is, like he, the guy's coming off an ACL and it was suffered late because last year's playoffs were late. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we're not even, we're not even a full year from that ACL injury. And this is the same leg. Oh, correct me if I'm wrong, that he had the right, the, the right quad injury. Um, yeah. I just, I just don't, I don't know. I wouldn't do it. <laughs> Look, it's the yeah, same I, leg. I mean, you know, the injury was suffered in, in May or was it May or June? Um, it, it was, was late. June. June, like June yeah. 15th. I mean, think about that. We're not even a year from when he suffered an, an ACL injury on a guy that, you know, you care about his future more than you care about the present. And so yeah. I, I just, I wouldn't do it if I was, I mean, but, you he, know, it's, it'll be up to him. It'll be up to them at the end. But I was more, up to, you know, initially I was here, oh, March, he'll come back. But now it doesn't seem like he's anywhere close to that, does it? I mean, here's the thing that I, I, I remember talking to some people in the organization, I'm like, what's the deal with Kawhi? And, yeah. and they were just like, look, I mean, as they pointed out, He's not even a year back. It will be in June. Okay. Number yeah. two, we have to remember this is a power player. This is not a guy mm-hmm. who's like, you know, a shooter in the corner who's going to catch and shoot threes. This guy, uh-huh. everything, everything, he, every way he plays comes with power. So that's something that they got to consider. But here's the same thing on the other side that the Clippers, the Clippers don't, they're not in Kawhi Leonard's head. Okay. Nobody is right. Only Kawhi Leonard mm-hmm. is in his camp. So if the Clippers are like, I don't know, eight, seven, or maybe even the six seed, okay, Paul George comes back, Norman Powell is back, they're playing well, or let's say even they're the eighth seed and they play a number one seed, Phoenix, Chris Paul's not ready to return. Kawhi Leonard's feeling good. Nobody, kn- nobody knows if Kawhi Leonard's going to say, you know yeah. what, I want to play. You know what I mean? And, and, if, and if he's cleared medically and he's feeling good and he looks good, I mean, that's the whole thing. Nobody knows what's going to happen at that point, how Kawhi Leonard is going to be feeling, how, where the Clippers are, how they're going to be playing. And, and, you know, sort of the doctor saying you're not ready. If Kawhi Leonard can actually play, who's going to stop him? Let me say something about Reggie Jackson. I used to not be a fan of his game. Uh, you know, he was, a, it was a low efficiency sort of like high dribble player, you know, I didn't like what he did in, in Detroit. I just didn't like the player he became. And he ended up getting bought out. Like, you know, you get bought out when you're in your 20s. It's usually not a good sign, you know. Mm-hmm. And, he, you know, he all, he all he could get was a minimum contract from the Clippers. Um, and I got to say, like, he's done like a mid-career renaissance. He is a, just, just a better player in so many facets. And um, he's like a leader on the court. He really he's like is a leader on, he's like a leader on the court and, you know, 
the Clippers for that for that stretch, they had Lou Williams and, you know, Lou would carry to them to so many victories. Like when they were in their like interregnum between, you know, when they, when they dumped Blake and Chris Paul and they were rebuilding. And then, you know, then when, you know, when there was injuries, like Lou was always sort of there to fill in the gaps to sort of keep them afloat and the fans loved him for it. He always showed up. He always played. That's kind of what the way they're different players, but it's kind of the way Reggie's playing now. And like, I kind of got to take my hat off to him. He has done more and meant more to them than I ever could have seen. And I give credit to the Clippers for believing in him and then giving him a contract. Like when they, when they gave him that contract, I know it wasn't for that much money, but they gave him quite a bit of money last off season. I was like, man, yeah. I don't know if any, I was like, that's a lot of money for him. And like, he's outplaying his contract right now. Oh my, I got to, I have to give Reggie Jackson credit. Well, Reggie Jackson is in the perfect situation for for him, which is, I think, first of all, coming to Los Angeles and being close to Paul George meant a great deal to him because they are BFFs. And, you know, look, Reggie Jackson out of the bubble, you know, when he with his first season with the Clippers, he he kind of felt like he was a little bit an outsider. He wasn't part of that group yet because he came in late in that season from the buyout and he was not in a good place in the bubble. Everybody talks about Paul George and the depression, but Reggie Jackson was not in a good place in that bubble, much like most of the Clippers that season. And Reggie then thought about actually kind of quitting. Um, and yeah. I think his brother convinced him out of it and said, oh, well, what, what, what would you do if you weren't playing this game that you love? And then he eventually found that love. And now Reggie Jackson is in this place where, I mean, it's like heaven to him. The fans chant his name. He loves playing in front of the home crowd, the Clipper crowd. I mean, how many people have you heard that, right? Yeah, Actually so now, say that. Now, now he's got a new promotion that when the yeah. fans chant his name, he's going to have the ball boys or not. That's an old term. He's going to have like the, the dance team or whatever. Yeah. Throw peanut, peanut butter, butter and jelly bites. They're little packets of bites. Yeah, he yeah. loves peanut butter and jelly. Yes. So if you chant, Red G or MVP or whatever you're going to chant when he's at the foul line. You can <laughs> There's no get... MVP chance. They chant Reggie. <laughs> okay. They chant Reggie. They throw it. They throw the bites to you in the crowd. That's yeah. And promotion. look, he is the fan favorite right now for the Clippers. Reggie Jackson, mm-hmm. like not a lot of people know this because I think around the country, because, you know, I mean, Reggie's not like a Paul George or Kawhi Leonard, but Reggie Jackson, I mean, he goes and talks to literally as many people as he can in the building. It doesn't matter if you yeah. are a janitor or if you're a Clipper front office person or if you're a random fan. Reggie Jackson will stop and have a conversation with you in the building. It's he's he's just like a man of the people. When he comes into his media sessions, you can only ask him like maybe five or six questions, but he'll talk for 20 minutes. Like each mm-hmm. answer will be like five to nine minutes long because he just doesn't want to stop talking. And then when he's done talking in the podium, he'll walk outside and talk to reporters for another 15 minutes. It's just like he's in this place right now. Such a the good place. Kawhi. For, for <laughs> Yes. I mean, you, you know, you can't get Reggie to actually stop talking. Sometimes he'll ask reporters. It was like, you didn't have a question for me today. Like that's he's just in a great place and a great mood. And he also obviously has a, the green light right now. I mean, last night he took a lot of shots. He had a he had a bad game. He followed it up for a great game against the Lakers. But I mean, he's just in this place now where he's so happy. We kind of saw the first glimpse of it last year in the playoffs, where at the end of the season, when he came into the meeting room, we asked him what it meant for him to be here. And he, he started, he broke down, started crying. That yeah. emotion has not stopped for him. He that's exactly how he feels. You, and, and he wears you know the sleeps. difference, Ramona. Expectations. The Lakers had expectations of winning yeah. the whole thing with this great team. The Clippers had no expectations. Um, and it 
you know, look at the way the Lakers play on Tuesday yeah. and the Clippers, then the Clippers come in and play on Wednesday. Yeah. And it's like two totally different situations. You look at the, like the other night yeah. in that game, like Reggie was like clowning Westbrook out there, like, you know, crossing him over and everything. Yeah. Think about the way Westbrook season has gone and the way Reggie Jackson season has gone. It's like defining those two guys. Define well, a couple of years ago when the Clippers gets, get Kawhi Leonard, they get Paul George and it's this battle for LA. And there was more attention on the Clippers than I've ever seen in their entire existence as a franchise. And they were seen as the heavy, like they were seen as the team. Now they were the favorites amongst a lot of media, at least. And amongst a lot of people around uh, the NBA, I'm, I'm raising and my hand. I, picked, I thought well. they would win. Yeah. 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 I mean, they didn't handle that. Well, they are at heart an underdog franchise. That is their identity. That is how they play. Great. Um, they're really good at surpassing expectations. Well, Last year, um, how did they, what was their run when Kawhi got hurt? I mean, they, yeah. like after Kawhi got hurt, they almost beat the Suns. I mean, like Paul George, I mean, God bless him. Like how many minutes did he play in that, in that series? I mean, although, just, although to be like fair, gonna... to be fair to Kawhi, he was playing incredible that game. He got hurt and yeah. they were, they were going to beat Utah. And I still think they would have been, obviously they would have been Utah with Kawhi Leonard. And then uh, with Kawhi Leonard, they might've, yeah. they, they had a chance to beat Phoenix. Yeah, a chance. Be, they had a real chance to beat Phoenix. I mean, if yeah. you weren't for the the Valley Oop or you know whatever all the yes. other yes. plays in that series, but but uh, like they are great in that underdog role, and I think they are the, an ultimate underdog this year. Not only not only like people not believing in them, but people just there's absolutely no pressure on them this year. There's absolutely no expectations, as you were saying, Brian. And and I think Reggie Jackson to me is a is a classic underdog hero right this is this is the role that he he thrives in um i was going back and rereading this the feature i did on him last year um during the playoffs and i remember he was you know it was he and his brother were um his brother's like really close to him they talk all you know he's very he's always around he's always you know in his corner um and it was it was just amazing how uh how this journey that they've they've been on went where they were just you know reggie's just been in a lot of different stops he was um, he was an army brat, you know, he's a military family and they moved around. He's never really had a home, a home base. Um, and he, you know, there was the scene last year in Miami and, and, uh, Travis, Travis, his brother told me about this. It was, you know, Reggie messed up at the end of a game. He, he, uh, and it, it kind of blew the game. They were going to lose to the heat. And he is the type of guy that really holds everything. Like he, he knows that you don't have to tell him he's a, he's a really smart cerebral guy. And he knows exactly what happened and he knew he blew it and he was going to, he was just beating himself up. It looked like he was going to cry in the court and the entire team ran over to him. I was like, Hey man, it's all right. We got it. You're, you're going to be all right. It's okay. It wasn't just you, you know? And, and, uh, and Travis said, he goes, that was like the moment he's been waiting for his whole career where people just accepted mm -hmm. him unconditionally and where they were there for him. And I think that this team has something and it feels to me oh, that it's been left over from last year, right? They, they started building that camaraderie, and that, that culture, um, you know, we talk about that, that word is overused in the NBA, but there's, there are a few franchises that have it, you know, heat culture, right. You know, it's like the game of play. It's a drinking game. Whenever we say heat culture, right. <laughs> um, but, but I think the Clippers are, are doing it. I, I think Ty Lue's yeah. got something there where it's a, it's a culture there now. And um, especially amongst those guys who went on the run last year. And it, it's, you know, if they get one or three of their guys back, watch out. 
Yeah, no, I, I, I you're, you're right. I think they, they built this culture like last season. They had all these comebacks uh, where Ty Lue was benching his vets and bringing in younger guys. And now there's this culture mm-hmm. there where the vets, they'll see that the younger guys got it going and then they're about to check in. They'll tell Ty Lue, you let these guys, you know, keep, keep running, keep going with them yeah. and things like that. And so uh, to your point, though, Wendy, there's no pressure on them this season. There will be no pressure on them in the playoffs next season all the pressure will be back on them because the way they are built right now, they are built to win it all next season with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and Norman Powell healthy and ready to go. Mm. And all these pieces around them, to me, they have to be the favorite in the Western conference next season. All right. We'll see what happens between now and then before we go, I just wanted to Lakers are playing at the Spurs tonight. As we mentioned several times, we are, mm-hmm. we've been waiting now for pop Greg Popovich yeah. to, to tie Don Nelson the Spurs begin a seven-game homestand um, the, uh, on uh, on Monday. We're hoping that it happens now. So he's got 1,334 wins. Nelson, who coached five years more, this is Pop's 26th season, Nelly coached 31, um, needs one to tie Nelson for the all-time record and then to, you know, then one more to, to pass him. Uh, he passed Lenny Wilkins just before the All-Star break. Uh, Lenny Wilkins is third. And if you look at the top 10, by the way, Doc Rivers is 10th. Doc Rivers hmm. um, uh, wow. had his thousand victory earlier this season. He's in, he's now in the top 10. Uh, only Phil Jackson has a higher winning percentage in the top 10 um, than, uh, than Pop. So obviously not only for a long time, but at a high level for a long time, the Spurs are in a rebuild. They're down right now and not going to make the playoffs this year. In fact, they've lost four in a row. So, um, but, uh, it would be, uh, you know, it will, it will be a moment, you know, pop will probably downplay it. Um, uh, he hates talking about himself. Yep. If you attempt to ask pop about himself, he will instantaneously, uh, change the subject, mock you, um, walk away. It's just, it's just, it's a very difficult uh, situation. In fact, we, pulling back the curtain a little bit, we've been preparing for this at ESPN and we knew that there was no way we could do a Greg Popovich sort of retrospective talking to Greg Popovich. So we just had to go talk to other people about their memories and and favorite things about pop. Um, But he should get his moment, even if he doesn't want it here in the next few days, Ramona. Yeah. You know, it's um, back in the uh, 2014 finals. uh, I, I, uh, got sent out to, to write one of those wrap up stories on whatever team wins is so like, I, you know, I, there, it's like an old classic sports illustrated wrap up story, right? Like how did they win? And you, you stay up till dawn. And, you stay yeah, up till dawn. Stay up all night. And I spent a very, I spent one night in the, um, uh, I guess it was the AT&T center back then. And, uh, and there was just like one vending machine, me and Lee Jenkins at the time he was at SI, we were both writing our dueling spur stories. And it was like, <laughs> what are we going to do here? I was like, what do you, do you got anything Lee? Like it's, yeah, he's like, well, I got something from Boris Dia, and I was like, <laughs> it's really <laughs> yeah. hard, right? Um, and uh, you know, and, for, and Lee, at least he he he'd written about the Spurs several times, right? This is my first crack at it, so I still I was still fresh on turn to um, you know put pop things into context. And I went back and reread that story the other day because it's I I, I liked I liked it because it, I don't think Pop really even talked about himself, but it, I I did the thing where you talk to everybody and. Um, I was thinking about this uh, when they won their last title. It was after they had that heartbreaking loss to the Heat. Remember the Ray Allen shot, you know, and um, and we we've, we've talked a lot about 
how they came back from that. Okay. Um, that was a heartbreaking shot that they lose the finals. They, you know, they were about, they were just seconds away from winning a title. And then it's not only do they lose that game, they lose the series and it's victory snatched from the jaws. I mean, defeat snatched from the jaws of victory. Right. Um, and pop, you know, he has, this, he has this dinner where they all get together and they sort of have this big family dinner and they, and you know, you talk about the game, you talk about everything, but you, you really just bond and you have this family type atmosphere. And that was a devastating, devastating, probably the lowest moment of all those guys careers. Yeah. Yeah, losing and that. yeah and and it's something that a team doesn't always bounce back from and not only did the did the spurs bounce back but they won the next year and it was it was interesting uh talking to some of the, the coaches and players on that team because pop you know let everybody go off for the summer you know and they all were low and down and the first thing they did they had a coaches retreat and remember this is the year that that mike budenholzer and brett brown left so they it was in between so not only did, do they lose the finals but he loses his two best friends on the staff, two longtime assistant coaches. They go get their opportunities, and he's really happy for them, but also he's kind of lonely. You miss, your, you miss your guys. And he brings in the new staff, and they have their coaches retreat up in Napa. And the first thing they do is make everybody watch that game again. I know. they wanted to, I to start that. this yes. year where they have yes. left off. And they wanted everybody to understand the pain that everybody who was coming back felt, but also to say, okay, this is the last time we're going to talk about that. We're going to, we're going to move forward. And it was, uh, I remember talking to Jim Boylan, who was on the, who was new on the staff that year. He said it was really, it was really pretty remarkable how um, he, you know, everybody felt it. Like we were all in it together. And, it, you know, I, I just think there's something about pop where he, uh, he you can never forget that he's, a, that he's a military guy, like everybody in his platoon, everybody in his group, um, they really feel that connection. And like, even yeah, I'm sure you didn't have too much of a, too hard of a time getting people to talk right about him. Well, um, actually <laughs> that year, that year I went to the Spurs training camp uh-huh. uh, or, or media day. And, and they were, I was tasked with the story right about how the Spurs are reacting from the worst defeat. And yeah. and I was like, Oh my God, this is going to be awful. Cause no, <laughs> yeah. we're going to want to talk about it. And I go to the first, yeah. I go to media day and they all talked about it. Pop yeah. was like, yes, we're going to talk about it right now. And I was like, I can't yeah. believe it. And then he yeah. took them to Colorado Springs to the Air Force Academy. Yep, That's where they did. they had their thing that year. By the way, you mentioned Budenholzer yeah. leaving. Yeah. During that playoff run with the Heat, while the Spurs were going into the this terrible seven-game loss, Mike Budenholzer was interviewing for the Atlanta Hawks job, and he was so yep. terrible. His first interview he he bombed the interview. Danny Ferry was a GM. He had been in San Antonio. Uh-huh. He wanted to hire Mike Budenholzer as his coach. He brings him in to meet the owner and with Bruce Levinson, who was the owner at the time, and 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 Pop or um uh, Bud makes a mess of the interview. And yep. Levinson says to Ferry, I can't I can't hire this guy. He messed up this interview. How can I trust him to drop a play at the end of the game? And so Ferry was like, Oh my god, I really want to hire this guy. So Popovich in the middle of the finals, like while he's preparing wow. for like game six or game seven calls up the owner of the Hawks and says, Hey, would you please give Bud a second interview? Give him a second chance. And wow. on pops word, he gives Bud the second interview, Bud performs better. He hires him, ends up having a great tenure in Atlanta, but that's just, you know, part of yeah. the, you know, part of those stories that you hear yeah. from Pop. And, 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 and Brian, I'll simplify it like this. Okay. The man may come across as, as gruff or cold or whatever you want to, whatever adjective you want to use. But if you're in the circle, if you're in the family, um, 
there is a warmth there and an empathy that I, I don't know if you can appreciate unless you're in it or close to it or know people who are in it. And um, I always talk about this, uh, some of the best coaches or managers or anything in all, any walk of life are people who encourage you to feel your feelings. <laughs> okay. Feel your feelings. That sounds like a, a simple thing, right? Like I am sad. I am mad. I am upset. I am angry, but so few people actually feel those things or allow themselves to feel those things. And the thing I learned about the, about pop and his, his style is like, you got, he, he's not afraid of that. He is not afraid of feeling your feelings or letting his guys feel their feelings. If anything, I think that's why they're so close. That's why he gets that level of, of bonding and connection and loyalty from his, his players and anybody who's been, who's been around. I mean, Ramona, look, there's so many, you talk about the inner circle pop and it's, it's almost like, uh, the, they're so loyal to him. It's like Fight Club, but it's the pop yeah. club. It's like you know, <laughs> you, you don't you don't yeah. tell people what's going on. You know what I mean? Like uh -huh. basically, when we talk to people about this story that Wendy was talking about, I can't tell you like Steve Kerr, Bud. So many people start off by saying the best pop story is the one that we can't tell, and so you know they they they're <laughs> loyal to him that they know how how much he wants to keep things behind closed doors. But at the same time, you start to hear a million stories about the human side of pop. There's so many stories of how pop has gone out of his way to help anybody from, you know, an assistant like Monty Williams when he's grieving to all to right down to an yeah. intern who came in for one summer, basically, yeah. and uh, has not been with the Spurs since. And he has gone out and out of his way to help as many people as possible. Um, so that's the one thing about his greatness, I think, is, is a lot of the players will talk about that too, is that as demanding as he is, and he's very demanding, he also has this very human side to him where he's constantly kind of just concerned about you and life. And, and, and it's always like, you know, they're always going to break bread. They're always going to drink wine, whether it's a big win or it's the most, you know, yeah. the biggest traumatic loss like ray allen hitting that three. well the monty williams connection is deep and i talked to monty about it and i don't want to give away the story mm -hmm. i don't even know if the story's the story the monty story will make the oh it will, will make it will <laughs> because you know the thing about it is is that monty lost his wife and then pop lost his wife and they have that connection and they were just there for each other so um you know, that's the kind of stuff that's different. I will say this before we go um, being around. I did not, I would not say that I enjoyed covering pop two summers with team USA. I would not <laughs> say that it was enjoy. I covered him in China and Japan uh, more access in China than in Japan. Wait, what, um, Wendy, you weren't part of the legendary pop dinners. No, I was never invited. <laughs> Although I have actually, I actually one time wound up at a pop, dinner table it was after every you know pop has a rule about five people dinner should be five people which i wholeheartedly endorse and i stick to this rule like when we go to like big events like the finals there's a bunch of people want to go to dinner and i go no popovich rule of five if you <laughs> have a more than five enjoy your meal i'll go somewhere else um but i did end up at his dinner one time at his dinner table after it, i didn't actually eat the meal with him we were at the same restaurant um, and I ended up at the table. And uh, so I did experience a little bit of it. And then that night um, he was getting an Uber. He didn't even have his car. Um, <laughs> and he goes outside and he's waiting for an Uber to come get him. And there's a valet there. And it's sort of a higher end Italian restaurant we were at. 
And uh, we're, I'm waiting for my car that I was driving to be brought from the valet and he was waiting for his Uber. And Pop goes over to the, um, the valet driver and he says to him, hey, um, uh, he asked him like, like the, he goes, I'm going to start asking you questions. And he asked him like the five most basic basketball questions you could ever uh, imagine, like the most lamest basketball questions. And every time the guy got one right, Pop pulled a 20 out of his pocket and stuck it in the kid's pocket. <laughs> he gave him a hundred. He basically made him answer five questions. Uh, awesome. We happen to we happen to be in Cleveland, and he goes, "Who's the best player in the NBA?" And the kid goes, "LeBron James." He goes, "You're right, twenty dollars." So he goes, "What's the name of that lake right there?" Uh, lake Erie. Here, you're right, twenty dollars. <laughs> so, and then at the end, the 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 kid, the the valet, you know, he's probably like twenty, not maybe not really a kid, says, "Hey, would you mind taking a photo? Could I have a photo with you?" And he goes, "Yeah, but that'll be twenty dollars." So. There's a lot of those types of moments with Pop. That said, I can appreciate that with the media, he can sometimes be difficult. Um, I didn't enjoy, I did not enjoy cover. I, I had hoped to, I did not enjoy necessarily the way he operated with the media in with Team USA. Yep. Having said that, I can tell you that him winning that gold medal in Tokyo was extremely meaningful to him. And considering the challenges that they had, you know, for example, bringing three players over. They never had a practice. and like, let's immediately play uh, the same day, yep. uh, you know, and them dealing with teams that it had been building up for years to try to beat the U S and navigating through that. And he, he did do a couple of things in coaching that were just really risky that he ended up paying. He, he had, it was more than just roll the ball out there. He, he worked his butt off. Um, that was meaningful for him to get that gold medal. And while the back end of his career with the Spurs has not been that successful because Duncan retired and Kawhi left. Um, he did, you know, put something impressive in that file, getting that gold medal, even though I don't think history will remember it because the Americans are expected to win. But um, I mean, heck, Wendy, you even see that the, the American, the guys that were on that team, Draymond Green loves pop, you know, yeah. just from that experience there. So it's like those, those guys all love pop as well. Yeah. Well, like I said, they had a different experience than I did, but I appreciated uh, what it meant to him and how hard he uh, had to work with his staff to do that. Okay. Thanks for listening to the Hoop Collective podcast. Thank you to Ramona and Ulm. Ramona's got to get going. Uh, good luck uh, with your uh, commitments today. And uh, Ulm, I hope you, uh, I hope you have good luck with, with your other big life event that I won't mention that's happening. Okay. Thank you. Uh, take care. We'll talk to you guys later this week. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply.